on the 19th day of the month of December. In an early year of a decade, not too long before our own, the human race suddenly encountered a theatrical adaptation of a musical parody of a Roger Corman film. Years later, the film is revisited, as such classics often are, in the seemingly most innocent and unlikely of podcasts. 80 stuff, is it, is it still good, is it rough, or is it, is it still good, bop, shabop, beep, boop, 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 yes or no, What's up, Green Thumbs? Welcome back to Is This Still Good, a podcast about home gardening and how to keep your plants alive. Uh, the answer might surprise you. <laughs> I'm a host, Sage. I'm a host, Gavin. Uh, is Krista a host? I forget how this works. <laughs> I know, I'm not a host. <laughs> I'm just oh, okay. here. <laughs> well, joining us again after her last fantastic episode is uh, Krista Llewellyn? Llewellyn, correct. Llewellyn. It's a Nailed it's it. a weird Welsh one, so you're fine. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Speaking of weird Welsh ones, um, I don't actually have a good transition for that. I, I knew you did it. Was it. Fun. <laughs> I knew a hundred percent it was gonna be that, and then an um, and then a pause. <laughs> well, you're not wrong, Krista. Thanks for coming back. What did you bring for us today? Uh, I brought Little Shop of Horrors, a very near dear musical to my heart. Um, it's just one of my favorite things in the whole world, I would say. Not favorite movie of all time, but probably my favorite musical of all time. Which makes it a good good thing to bring up for Musical May, as mm-hmm. uh, Sage is. That's right. I decreed it. Forced onto the podcast. <laughs> So I started realizing a few years back that I just don't like most movie musicals, but I do really enjoy stage musicals. I do enjoy anything I see on Broadway. Even the stuff that I think is bad is a good time on stage. How many times have you been to Broadway? Okay, I've never been to Broadway (laughs) or off Broadway, but I've seen some travel Broadway and uh, Broadway The Next Generation and Broadway Babies. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, love me some Broadway babies. They're cute. I get That's, it. That is the full quote from this episode. <laughs> uh, but I did grow up a lot with my parents dragging me to high school productions of musicals when I was mm-hmm. in elementary school. And I'm already lying because my parents didn't drag me. They would take me once, and then I would make them take me to the same one two or three more times. And Little Shop is definitely one of those. In fact, it's the one that, that sticks out in my mind much more than anything else I made them take me to two or three times. Do you remember which high school or junior college was putting it on that you went to see it at? Uh, yeah, shout out to Bartlett High School uh, right next to Elmendorf Air Force Base in Anchorage, Alaska. They had a, a good musical department, or they didn't, and I was You in just fifth hadn't grade. been to any other... You know, I assumed that this was written by the cast of Bartlett High. Is that incorrect? Yeah, I yes. Got some shocking news to tell you. Yeah, yeah. The time traveling <laughs> cast of Bartlett. Krista, have you ever seen this live in in person on stage? The only time I've seen it live on stage was um, I was fortunate enough in my high school we got picked to go to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival to perform. Oh wow! Yeah. And well. 
funny story about the uh, before the actual like seeing of it. One of the high schools that we were traveling with originally was supposed to be doing Little Shop of Horrors, but they didn't secure the rights of it to do it at the Fringe <laughs> Festival. So they had to switch things up like last minute and ended up writing a musical themselves called Tater Tots of Love, which was a okay. movie about a high school cafeteria and tater tots. And it was uh, it was a time using their same props. <laughs> how I would love a description of how much they actually changed to, to get it to be at a ca- lunchroom cafeteria i mean they must have done it before before like actually like getting to scotland itself but like hearing about that it was just like what and then we had to like go and watch it because we have to like support like the other high schools or whatever um and yeah it was it was it was fascinating but still um, a musical that did they just it was still a musical, yeah. <laughs> so, because because you can't just rewrite the actual music, you could change the lyrics, but I assume they have all that stuff pre-recorded at that point. So. I mean, I think I think they changed the music. I think they like actually like wrote a musical because I don't remember it sounding like Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, it wasn't Titter Tots, Titter Tots of Love, Bop Shib Bop. It might have been close to that. Just because, like, how how else are you going to sing about tater tots? Sure, yeah. Keep it in that 60s, 60s era of sound. I, I mean... Know, a lot of things rhyme with spud. Yeah. I, I was in musical theater in high school, too. And, like, the type of people who are, who are doing the music for those type of things, they can really freestyle oh, yeah. in, in a certain genre pretty impressively. So oh, I would yeah. not be surprised if... Um, there's actually a podcast I enjoy every once in a while called... Um, I figure it's called the Improvised Musical Podcast, and just listening to people. It's, oh, right! It's impressive. Uh, there's just a type of person who can do that. Yeah, more power to them. Uh, check the show notes. We'll probably have <laughs> come up with that afterwards. Do you remember what you were there to do? We we were. It was a very opposite side of things. We were doing a play called Bury the Dead, which was about these soldiers in World War II who died. But then they, like, they sort of come back to life and refuse to be buried. Hmm. They, like, call their, like, family in to try to convince them to, like, lay down. It's, like, an anti-sort of war thing. Um, so, the complete opposite of Tater Tots of Love or a Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. No, it sounds sounds like the, the, that music was probably in a different, in a minor key. Yeah. No, yeah, no, <laughs> no, no musicals about, well, I did sing, I did sing, um... Swing low, sweet chariot. So, oh, yeah, there's that. <laughs> so we ended up going to. We saw a lot of theater on that trip, obviously, and mm-hmm. we ended up seeing a production of Little Shop of Horrors that was being put on in a pub somewhere. And okay. the the best thing about it, it was super low budget because it was right. in a pub. Uh, and the plant, uh, the Audrey Two, was actually just a guy in like a green screen suit. And okay. so at first it's just his hand coming out of a pot. And mm-hmm. then as he grows, he like starts to like pop out of the pot more. And as Seymour feeds him, the other char- the other cast has green screen suits hidden underneath their costumes. And so he tears off their costume and they become the plant. And so the plant gets bigger because more people are there as like different limbs and stuff. So I thought That's it was a really clever way of doing it. How yeah. big was the cast for the pub version? I mean, it was probably it was probably 
the the same amount of cast. There's like if you just take this the like main cast like the sure. the chorus girls Seymour, uh, Mushnick, Audrey, um, the the dentist and all of that. I think it was just that it wasn't too many extras, just the kills that you like see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's not a large cast in this production. No. If you don't count all the other people coming in to say one line in montages. Exactly. I mean, and then you've got the the Skid Row downtown medley. That mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's my point. Like, if you wanted to do this in a pub, you could cut a lot of it and just keep it <laughs> down to its core. How big was this? Like, the venue? The pub? Yeah, yeah. not very big. <laughs> or the Edinburgh Film Fringe Festival. <laughs> right. <laughs> It wasn't very big. I don't really quite remember, but but it was. I would say it was like maybe the size of a small, a very small black box theater. Okay, that'd be great. Yeah. I mean, this musical's—it's pretty hard to do it bad enough for it to not be a good time. It's yeah. Kind of. But it'd be even better if you could sling some back some cold ones with your mates. <laughs> hey. We couldn't do that because even though I was, so that was another thing with this. Um, this trip that we went on because I was for a high school, even though I was 18 and had like since graduated, it was like the summer between my senior year and freshman year of college. Uh, we weren't allowed to drink. Otherwise, they would have kicked us out and like sent us back home. Even though you could legally drink. Even though I could legally drink. And there was a group who everyone in the production except for one kid got caught drinking. And so they sent all of them home and we thought it was just a rumor to like scare us to not drink and then we met the we like met the one kid at like another like comedy show that we went to like oh my god you actually exist they actually did it so uncomfortable i'm just imagining (laughs) did he have survivor's remorse i think so i think he was just like kind of because it was it was it was like a stand-up show and so the guy had actually like picked on him and was like asking him why he was there. <laughs> oh, God. That sounds so uncomfortable. Yeah. Good times. Sage, did you do music? Did you do theater in high school? I I did. I was in a couple productions. I, I was, never got picked by Bartlett. Um, so my my high school was a very small 7th or 12th with like 30 people per class. And that's not, that's not an Alaska thing. I was just at the alternative high school. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like most of our graduating classes had, you know, 800 people in them or whatever. Like there's eight large high schools. Uh, Anchorage is 300, 400,000 people. But I did Grease. I did West Side Story. I did some other things I've probably buried down in my subconscious somewhere <laughs> uh, that'll only come out with years of therapy. I had a now, good time. Now, I enjoyed were that you, shit. Were you like a chorus member? Did you have speaking roles? What was your involvement? I was definitely an honor choir kid growing up. Like I had, Me too. I had a voice. Didn't mean I could sing. There just weren't enough dudes trying out for honor that choir. That too, yeah. my excuse. <laughs> well, okay, it's not like I was a baritone. <laughs> I was an alto. <laughs> That's cool. I, I got I got stuck in bass. Um, sure. Lowest voice in the choir. Choir director... Always getting mad at me for accidentally dropping octaves because I have no range. <laughs> when you were hitting puberty, did your voice squeak the opposite direction? <laughs> um, I don't remember. Like, I think it just kind of dropped pretty quick. I don't remember that long of a squeaky period. Yeah, I just mumbled all through high school. This is me with years of people telling me to speak up, and still here we are. <laughs> 
yeah, I did a, I did a couple different productions, and I did like a lot of theater classes as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the singing part of musicals, despite loving singing, uh, did not appeal to me as much as the dancing part of it. Uh, <laughs> because when you're chang chang changity chang chuwapping, you get to you get to do like roles over other cast members and shit. It's fun. Damn. Whereas the singing part is you are singing chang chang changity chang up. Yeah, I always got stuck in um, chorus or uh, in chorus and both uh, chorus and musical stuff. I got stuck as soprano, which I hated mm-hmm. because you always had to sing the the like normal line. You didn't get to like do any like fun harmonizing stuff with anything. So that was I was always mad at that. I'm trying. I mean, I only did a couple musicals. My mine were we did Urine Town, which was a blast. Uh, if, if people are unfamiliar, it's a kind of like Marxist play about um, the lack of resource, a finite amount of resources in the world, as told through a world in which the corporations have started taxing the use of bathrooms because there is a water shortage. So if you're yeah. going to use the bathroom, you have to pay a tax on it. And so if you are destitute or like out of money, you just have to hold it. Or if you pee illegally, they cart you away to a gulag. And so it's a revolution about the freedom to pee. Uh, so the urine in Cape Town and it's about water rights. <laughs> the urine that... the urine town is U R I N E town, not your in town. Uh, it's a fun time. I highly recommend it. <laughs> Waiting for that film adaptation. And then I think we also did Bye Bye Birdie, which was a little bit more of a straight generic thing. But always a good time to bring in that 50s and 60s sound, which kind of mm-hmm. brings us back to Little Shop of Horrors, which I love this kind of music. Mm-hmm. Doo-wop is so much fun to listen to. Yeah, it's always a good time listening to. Yeah, it's a doo-wop and Motown. And... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I put it on while um, I was teaching my students. They were sculpting. And so I just was putting a bunch of movies on and put this on. And it was just like hard not to sing to it and to like, you know, do a little dance. <laughs> it's a bop shabop. So in addition to seeing this multiple times, I had the soundtrack. And obviously I didn't have like the cast recording of this high school production. Although I do I do remember some songs that aren't from the soundtrack. I had mm-hmm. I had the movie soundtrack mm-hmm. um and I had never seen the movie <laughs> until last week. So it's a very weird, almost singular experience of knowing all of the songs that I haven't heard in like 15 years, but still immediately came back to me and, and singing them from the couch as, as my date is trying to figure out what the fuck's going on and how (laughs) I know every word to this movie. I claim I've never seen. (laughs) No, I I got to show this to someone who hadn't seen it before either. And that was a very, very good way to rewatch this movie. But before we get too much further, Sage, I believe that you're ready to do a summary for the first time in the history of this podcast. Uh, you mean the first time that I've been ready? Yes. Because <laughs> I've, I've done it and failed. Yeah, no, I I, I know <laughs> this movie enough that I feel like I can give a, a, a brief but spectacular summary for anyone who uh, who has not seen it. All right. On the 23rd day of the month of September, the human race suddenly encountered a deadly threat to its very existence. And this terrifying enemy surfaced, as such enemies do, in the seemingly most innocent and unlikely of places. Bob Shabop, call a cop. It's a little shop of horrors. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So 
as we said, very few actual characters in this musical. Uh, the two most important important are Seymour and Audrey, who work at a little shop in Skid Row, but want nothing more than to escape their trappings and the lot that life has given them. Uh, and in order to do this, there is a total eclipse of the sun, and Seymour buys a strange plant from an old Chinese man and puts it in the window. He names it Audrey, too, because Seymour's kind of a creep. <laughs> It's an exceedingly popular plan and generates all sorts of business until it starts to wither. Seymour tries to figure out why his plant is dying, something very relatable for, for most of the audience, I assume. <laughs> and uh, through trial and error, figures out it's, um, it's blood. The plant requires human juice in order to survive. Uh, John Candy shows up to make some wacky radio sounds. <laughs> so luckily, there is a human in this movie... <laughs> There is a human in this movie that deserves to be juiced, and it is Audrey's very terrible, abusive boyfriend, who is played by Steve Martin as a sadist Elvis impersonating dentist. It is... it's good. Bill Murray shows up to do a bit. So, Seymour goes to this very abusive, but very fun time-loving dentist to feed him to the plants. And uh, in a wacky turn of events, Steve Barton just ends up gassing himself to death. But Seymour still has to chop him up in an alley with an axe. Which is where another character that I haven't mentioned, because I'm still <laughs> bad at this even though I've mostly written it down. The mm -hmm. boss uh, Mr. sees him do this and threatens to turn him in in a, a very dramatic showdown that takes place in this little shop of horrors. But don't worry, he basically slips on a banana peel and Pratt falls into Audrey too, and the problem takes care of itself. So the plant grows, and suddenly Seymour is a very big deal, as is Audrey too, who is now also big and uh, green. He's a big green mother from outer space, and mm -hmm, he's... Mm -hmm. Bad. Bad? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bad. That was the word I was looking for. Anyway, the plant calls up Audrey and tries to eat her, and the movie's over. <laughs> I don't actually remember how they defeat the plant, but I assume it's through the through the power uh, of song. He, elect he electrocutes it. Right, actually. a move that does not work in Pokemon. <laughs> you cannot yeah. electrocute. Gra well, it's it's not very effective. I should say. I I expected <laughs> I expected him to start a fire. That would be what I would jump to. But you know, it's an alien plant. You know, their genealogy might be different. They sustain themselves on human blood, and uh, their weakness is electrocution. Right. I don't know if I mentioned that, but the plant is an alien. <laughs> That's probably important. I like how I like how your your summary was a little bit bloated, which is the thing that you, you tend to call us on. And then How is uh, that bloated? And There's then, like four scenes in this movie. I took like a minute and a half to do it. I didn't like break out every act and say fantastic intro, bit. little shop, day. <laughs> credit where credit is due, you worked in almost all of the song titles. Which is great for a summary for those who haven't seen the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you haven't seen the movie, I assume you've listened to the soundtrack many times and have it memorized. Uh, sure, yeah, that's a fair, that's a safe assumption. Uh -huh. let's, let's go with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, okay. <laughs> so yeah, that that was that was the movie. Um, man, what a what a film! What a what a time! How why how and why does this movie exist? Does anyone know? Because it's I, <laughs> like I know it's a, it's a Broadway adaptation, but of all the, well, I don't even know if it was Broadway, so but it's off Broadway, I believe. Okay, 
but Broadway feel light. free to correct me. I still don't understand exactly what off-Broadway and Broadway are. Um, we can get into that, but... I mean, I think it's a simple thing. Like, Broadway's the actual street, and then those theaters count as Broadway, and then off-Broadway's New it's York just production this, It's just a different scene. Yeah. With less so I prestige. Think... But more, um, more, more chances... It's like a certain amount of, like, certain theaters, I think, and then there are smaller theaters that are within the same theater district, but not, like, the main strip or whatever. I think that's what it is. If an off-Broadway film, then do do those move to Broadway, and then do they rewrite history and become Broadway plays? Yeah, typically. Like, like Rent started off off off-Broadway and then Mm -hmm. went to Broadway. And now they call it the Broadway musical? Yeah, yeah, same with Hamilton. And most of them start off-Broadway. But then, yeah, sure. they once they get there, then they're Broadway musicals. Yeah, and I, I feel like that's got to be kind of the standard, just thinking from my limited knowledge about this, which is mostly just Hamilton, you guys. <laughs> uh, but In the Heights went off-Broadway to Broadway, uh, mm-hmm. and that was a, a big success, even though I'd never heard of it until I started getting into Hamilton. And now uh, that's But when it came time for him to do Hamilton, that still went off-Broadway for a year or two before going into So I don't think you just get to premiere on broadway and maybe his next one will maybe all the sign sondheim stuff did but yeah i wonder if a lot of that is just how much rent they have to pay to be on broadway what that does to like the cost of doing producing a musical yeah (laughs) i'm sure does does anyone have a better rent joke prepared than i do (laughs) (laughs) no that was was good yeah we'll take it Sometimes um, a reference is just enough. Well, Little Shop of Horrors started as a black and white uh, film, uh, Roger Corman production and directed by, and it was also kind of the introduction of Jack Nicholson. Yeah, it was his first movie. Have you seen You're it, Gavin? Fucking kidding me. <laughs> yeah, I have. I, I've seen it. Uh, it's been a long time. I can't remember if I saw it first or not. Actually, mm. I'm pretty sure I saw the musical first. It's the much bigger hit and the much better movie i can say yeah. safely yeah okay. i watched i watched it in college and i i you know i like ripped it off the internet somewhere and then mm-hmm. watched it and was like oh this isn't as fun yeah. as no it's a the very other one. very much whatever movie uh i love roger corman and jack nicholson but it is it is a tiny film made on a tiny budget with very tiny scope and that's kind of what they're going for yeah it's a very small contained movie and then the musical adaptation of it kind of just exploded it into a much bigger, uh, ballsier attempt at something that like one thing we'll get into too is the original ending of the stage production, which I'm sure Sage that hopefully, I, I don't know, I'm sure a lot of the musicals being produced now maybe take hints from the movie, but the original stage play adaptation is um, the plant wins. The world is defeated and the plants take over and eat everyone. Which honestly a better ending. Mm-hmm. It, it is. Yeah. I don't know if you I don't know if you all went and watched the original ending, but that has been released afterwards and it is so much more fun in my opinion. Though I will say it goes on a little too long. I was yeah, watching agreed. it with my students and I was like, "Okay, we could have you guys spent a lot of money on this. We get it. <laughs> you guys do puppets and right. miniatures, but this is this sure is it, just like trim it at the end here. <laughs> yeah, no, it's Frank Frank Oz, uh, you know the man behind Miss Piggy, Mister uh, Puppet, <laughs> and uh, yeah, actually uh, Jim Henson's son, also one of the puppeteers, Brian Brian Henson, um, on this movie. But yeah, they definitely like these were these were the puppet people. This was that was this movie was made by puppet people, and they definitely went a little overboard. I think there was an in between 
that could have worked a little bit yeah. better. That darker ending is so much more memorable than. And I also the love that explodes. song. I I remember learning yeah. that song in high school theater, at, like just as one of the songs we did for that class specifically, our musical theater class. And I just miss it. There's a there's a couple of songs that I miss in the movie that are in the original stage play, like same that when the dentist died. My favorite like song of the actual musical is when the dentist is dying and he's singing about dying <laughs> and he's laughing and he's he's saying don't right, be fooled yeah. by the gas like i'm not i'm not enjoying yeah. this please help me which would have been delightful to see steve martin do and i yeah. do love his giggling death performance spoilers yeah. <laughs> i mean we're, we're past the spoilers point spoilers i've already talked time, about always. alternate endings <laughs> yeah i think we um, pretty much only need to declare it when we spoil completely unrelated films <laughs> <laughs> and we fail to do that most of the time so that's the thing. I haven't seen a stage production of this. I, the only oh. venue I have for this is the movie. And it is a delight. But there are multiple songs that I don't know of and multiple like small changes. Mm-hmm. Like having seen the original movie, I was prepared for Bill Murray's character. Mm-hmm. But I guess Bill Murray's character is not a thing in the stage production either. Yeah, I was not prepared for <laughs> Bill Murray to show up and do bit. It also took me a long time to to understand what was going on. I was annoyed by it for the first three quarters. Oh. I'm like, oh, okay, now I get it. Now it's funny. <laughs> I am the problem. Yeah, no, he's a delight mm-hmm. as like the, yes, please, you know. <laughs> yes, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, there's that's like the thing that I kind of forgotten about in this movie is like I was not ready for the studded cast that this is. Mm-hmm. Um, John Candy showing up and doing his weird performance was uh, un- unbeknownst to me, and then Christopher Guest as the why? What is that fantastic plant you have in the window? And his eyes are like- <laughs> bulging the entire yeah. time. <laughs> I love it. I love the 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 yeah the, the, the all the capitalists in this movie are like hilarious to watch just like the people coming into skid row off of uptown you'd have to assume the guy at the end uh who is i think jim belushi yeah yeah (laughs) no i didn't realize that this is basically an snl movie yeah one so that's um i mentioned him already but like it sounded like you were kind of unfamiliar with uh frank oz I'm unfamiliar with with most of these people i also like have limited experience with john candy and rick moranis Mm -hmm. Um, well, I, Rick Moranis I, shrunk his kids. That's what he's that most famous for. That is all I for. know, yeah. He also like, he's uh, a wore, bad father. A, wore a dark helmet for a period. Um, right. Oh, they're mom? both in that movie. Half man, half dog. Oh, okay. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yes. <laughs> Maybe I should give that another try, but like, I did not care for that movie growing it's up. Not, I grew up with that movie, so I, it's yeah. one of my favorites. <laughs> I think like, part of it, though, is neither of us like Star Wars enough to really get on board with parodies of it either. Uh, well, right, well, see, just... that's the funny... This is off topic, but that's the funny thing for me. <laughs> I prefer Star Wars parodies. I'm not a really big Star Wars fan, but I mm-hmm. like it enough to enjoy the parodies more so than the actual Star Wars movies. Fair. I, I mean, Thumb remember... Wars holds a specific place in my heart. Never or seen something. Thumb Wars. Oh, it's... I never saw any of those Thumb movies. I will say there are jokes in that that may not hold up very well. <laughs> uh, we'll probably cover the Thumb movies at some point, along with Kung Pao, Under the Fist, but yeah. Does uh, does a Thumb ever call another Thumb a racial or gendered slur? There, I, I don't think so. Are there any no homos when they're touching thumbs? There may be a little bit of that. 
I, I would not put it past those movies, to be honest. I have not anyway. seen those. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole series of them. Thumbtanic. Uh, what do others? you guys know Rick Moranis from? He's in Ghostbusters, right? That's in that's Ghostbusters, in? Spaceballs. Yeah. Okay, so that's what it is. He's the key master. Right. Honey, I shrunk the kids. But he, he stopped working um, like uh, after those movies because his wife had died and he ended up taking care of his kids. Yeah, okay. and he seems super happy. In their uh, little terrarium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has to like cut his fingers and <laughs> drop blood into their mouths like a good father. <laughs> and I think they're full grown now, <laughs> bursting out of their pots and taking on the world. We could only hope. I believe, I, I have not confirmed this, but I have heard he's doing another Honey, I Shrunk the Kids for Disney+. Plus. Yes, I've heard that. But I believe I mean, his only appearance like the last 20 years is in a ryan reynolds mint mobile commercial where they basically go hey look we got rick moranis and he shows up and just says hi <laughs> <laughs> and ryan reynolds just stares at him smiling for a little bit it's a good commercial that's a good way to do a celebrity cameo in a commercial yeah yeah and he he doesn't i mean like obviously he doesn't owe the world anything but like he get like his his performances were such a huge part of my childhood and mm-hmm. for as little as i really remember about honey i shrunk the kids like his face just brings me joy the original For- Ant Man, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I, that was I got Disney Plus. I should I should give one of those movies a look. The Ant Man or Ant Man and the Wasp? You mean? Uh, no, I mean Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Okay, because Paul Rudd's a delight too. We can find find a guest who's uh, somewhat familiar with it, and then uh, pr- <laughs> pretend that they brought it and are very passionate about it. <laughs> yeah, thankfully we didn't have to do too much pretending on this one. <laughs> oh, but I really, really wanted to quickly mention, aside from knowing Frank Oz from the Muppet movies and the Muppet TV show, which are all great, I knew, what I remember his name from most is he did Death at a Funeral, which like was a movie I was really into in high school. I think that movie's amazing. I haven't seen it. Yeah, that, that 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 awkward silence was kind of what I was looking for. It's great. Y'all should watch Death at a Funeral. It's great. Uh, okay. They remade it. They remade it in America with um, uh, Chris Rock, I believe. Mm. Too. That awkward silence was actually me muting my microphone as my cat flung himself full <laughs> bore at my door. Well, that's really what I was. That's really what I was going for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I keep forgetting Frank Oz has like a, a pretty weird directing career where mm-hmm. he's also done Stepford Wives and The Score, which I believe was Marlon Brando's last film, and Bowfinger. He did Bowfinger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, he's so, a, he's one of those strange cats. I kind of put him up there with like terry gilliam in a certain way where it's sure like, yeah he's almost prestigious in like a certain respect but like and he has a style but i'm not sure he really watching his movies would necessarily go oh it's a terry gilliam well terry gilliam's got more I, i'd style. say like once he starts branching out into because i could tell brazil or zero theorem was like oh this is terry gilliam because it's weird and i don't like it <laughs> But like to 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 trace those influences back to Monty Python's kind mm-hmm. of like a surprising thing. So if you think of Frank Oz as the puppet guy, like you might be surprised by Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, right? <laughs> or Bowfinger or something. Uh, or if you know him as like the Dark Crystal or Yoda, right? Yeah. And Yo- yeah, I forgot to mention to bring it back to Star Wars, he was Yoda in at least Empire. See, if we hadn't mentioned that, at least we'd get an email, probably from Seamus. <laughs> Yeah. I, I so I I'm curious then. I haven't seen the stage adaptation. What 
were the biggest i mean obviously you guys mentioned that they cut songs they also added songs like big green mother from outer space was added for this movie what were some clever fixes that or clever adjustments that you were ways of presenting this on stage that didn't translate to the movie or translated differently um i mean i feel like they got the basic gist of it the i I feel like the songs they took away were uh, they sort of explained it just by showing it and not having like a big deal out of it like him dying they they what was it i read they like compress they like switched one song that the greek chorus was singing Mm -hmm. and just like changed it but they adapted the actual lyrics from the previous song into it um and then there's another one there's another musical or number called mushnik and son where mm-hmm. he's just expressing that, oh, now now that you're making me money, I'm going to think of you as a son, sort of. As a real son. Yeah. Which is part of the movie, but I yeah. think that would have been fun. I, yeah. I would have enjoyed more of that. Yeah. I enjoyed more of that character actually being a character as opposed yeah. to just being a voice in some songs. Yeah. I I think his performance is great, though. Yeah. And, like, the, um, that expression, too, of, like, you know, finding out that he's an uh, in that original Skid Skid Row song. I'm an orphan. Uh, I was taken in, but I'm treated like scum because I am. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I all the characters in this movie are are great. And um, the one I don't know if she's in other movies, but the woman playing Audrey, fantastic. And I guess she is from the original yes. screen production. Yes. Okay, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't like her very much i like her performance but like if if i have very few knocks against this movie it's that no one can goddamn sing in this film well that's that's the point i think of audrey is that that there are points where she does start to belt and you can hear her sing but for the most part she she's just talking in this sweet little voice i i love the suddenly seymour song is both yeah she's great She's that. she's so crazy. Like it almost sounds like it's a different person singing. Yeah, so it's, I love it's, it. It's crazy to me that it's the same woman. The way she says Seymour is insane. <laughs> Those performances typically annoy me in movies, and mm-hmm. this isn't this isn't an exception. I mean, we talked about just on the last one. Just Nicole Kidman's got a whole section of movies where she just talks like a little baby, and I I am not here for it. Uh, another famous example. I can't I can't remember her name, but. The uh, Shelley Duvall. That's is that right? Um, like that that sure. sort of squeaky performance in both The Shining and as Olive Oil, even though mm-hmm. it's pitch perfect for that, still still annoys me, and I I I cannot bring myself fully in to to Audrey. Similarly, like Rick Moranis is not giving the most engaging vocal performance to no. me. Maybe that's the wrong way to say it because it is it is certainly engaging. He's um, a very meek character, which is like kind of the point. They're all very meek, except like, and that's kind of like same thing the with dentist. Except yeah. for the dentist, Mister Mushnick as well is kind of a little overbearing in a certain way, but that's kind of the point. And it is a very laid back kind of success that he achieves too like this this movie is charting the uh meteoric rise of seymour into stardom 
uh, riding the coattails of this giant plant. He gets his own gardening show. <laughs> yeah, I, I I love that. And then like the uh, his turnabout is when like um, he finds out that you know Audrey likes him for him and always has, and gives him the the courage to stop, turn down the licensing deal to get Audrey twos everywhere and put them in every household in America, thus preventing uh, the end of the world. <laughs> That relationship is kind of weird to chart because as you stated, like the movie opens up with Audrey walking into the place with a black eye. And I love that like uh, Seymour's response to it is like, oh, you look lovely. Is that new eyeshadow? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Very poorly done. Yeah. She's. It's a stage black eye. She is trying to cover it up, too. It's not even a stage like, black eye. <laughs> that is some blue <laughs> eyeshadow that she put under with a hard line just right right yeah. at her orbital bone. It looks like she's a cartoon dog, and she has like a yeah. spot over one eye. Exactly. Um, and Mr. Mushnick's, I'm starting to think that that boy's not such a good boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel bad because like the way this movie handles that entire relationship, I'm laughing the entire time but i'm pretty certain that makes me a bad person (laughs) no i don't think it does because i laugh at it too and i think and krista's not a bad person i'm not a bad person (laughs) that's the official i've had weird relationships that maybe aren't quite as that extreme but Mm -hmm. you know feels like in the same world um so it's it is a little bit more of a and like extreme version but i don't know i like i like that that she does find Seymour someone who actually does want to take care of her and yeah. like when someone points it out to her that it's an option suddenly she sings a whole song about wanting to be with Seymour which is not great no well, but it's also the 60s yeah. you have to think of I like mean, that time period too where where women didn't really have as as uh, much say in things <laughs> Well, there's also the aspect of it where she is in an abusive relationship and she is being devalued by her partner. And so she finds herself undeserving of love and a nice boy. It's like something that's pretty hammered upon, which is uncomfortable, but isn't, you know, that is a thing. Yeah. That she doesn't value herself. That is part of her arc is realizing that she is deserving and capable of love. Um Rather than just handcuffs and being told not to talk. (laughs) Or just, he'll show up on his bike and immediately threaten her safety as he picks her up from a date in front of a stranger. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And then drive home with her running in high heels behind the motorcycle. Mm -hmm. And he's mad at her for falling off. Mm -hmm. Which, again, kind of hilarious. Very dark. Yeah. Yeah. Hilarious and dark. Just, just how I like, like it. We actually see him hit her in a silhouette, and God damn it, I did laugh a little bit, and that's that's bad. It's just the tone of the movie. It just like the handcuffs not a real joke. Thing. The handcuffs sure. joke is is oh yeah, is great. Um, yeah, they very very much the the opening of Steve Martin's song really gets me. Oh, where it's just instant rear projection, rear projection, and terrible edging. Or the like only green, the only blue screen used in yeah, this definitely. entire movie is him on a motorcycle. Yeah, it is yeah. so terribly done. <laughs> well, just those lyrics of like, you know, 
I liked kicking puppies, and I bashed in a cat skull, and then my I mom saw me do it. cat bashed its head. <laughs> my That's what my son, mom said. You'll be a dentist. <laughs> it's, like, oh. I knew this was Steve Martin in this, but I had completely forgotten that there's like an Elvis through line through all the mm-hmm. soundtrack, and I didn't expect him to just be Elvis in a way that's like, not built into the movie or explained through song, and it's fine. This is not a not a nit I'm picking. <laughs> no, but yeah, couldn't picture it any other way. <laughs> he's just doing. He's just doing an Elvis. Just doing a a girlfriend beating Elvis. who's addicted to laughing gas. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> relatable things. Relatable things. And abuse. Yeah, and uh, it is my favorite part of the movie is Steve Martin. When he walks through the waiting room and there's like the little girl playing with the doll and he just leans over and rips the doll's head off on the way into the dentist. It's just. That was apparently his idea. So that yeah. and punching the nurse. He keeps punching the nurse <laughs> multiple times. Again, sight gags based on, on abuse. And here that we are. I laugh at. Uh, yeah. No, we're, we're all terrible people except for Krista. For yeah. Laughing except, at this movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone except for me. I'm still laughing, but I'm not the terrible person. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, one th- one thing I truly, I'd say my next favorite thing about this movie is the Greek chorus that keeps showing up. They're mm-hmm. so good. It's so good, and that is, you know, that is pure stage adaptation. Mm-hmm. But the way they manage to put a bid where they'll they'll show up halfway through a song on a balcony in the background. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's just like that. That's the this is. So I love Moulin Rouge, but like this is what a stage musical is supposed and to I feel like. You. Yeah, <laughs> this is like to me. This is harking back to the more classical. And when I like for me, even seeing La La Land, which I did wind up liking a lot, mm-hmm. like I kind of wanted a modern version of this, and maybe that's what La La Land is in certain respects. But like I'm waiting for this type of musical to return, which maybe in the Heights too. I'm very excited about. It looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm very hopeful for that, and. But I'm also I'm also nervous because it looks like it does enough location work, mm-hmm. uh, which it should be a good thing. I like Little Shop of Horrors because it's very it's it's a hundred percent like we took a play and made a movie out yeah. of it. I, uh, so I I would argue that this movie does a lot of cinematic stuff mm-hmm. rather than what you're saying. Like this does not feel like a film stage play to me. This has like it has a beautiful heightened location, like the production design is maybe similar to a stage play in certain respects. But the way it's lit, the way it, it harkens back to like 60s era movies. Well, I didn't Just mean, as much as stage plays. I didn't mean that they did a, a Disney Plus uh, recording of Hamilton. Mm-hmm. I just I just mean they're not they're not adding locations. They're not making it it bigger. They are heightening what they have available. Because I'll agree, like the puppetry, and I'm not gonna like really shout out for the cinematography, but it's doing enough interesting. Oh, I think it's beautiful. Make it. It, it is it's fine. <laughs> it's it's very much allowing the performances to act. And I know uh, it was interesting reading about the way that they did operate the plant. Yeah, was limiting. They actually filmed it in 12 frames per second to Ooh. make the movements feel faster and bigger. Which is kind of interesting because a lot of like movies at the time when you're making giants, you make them, you film in slow motion to make them move slower to like do the mass thing. But yeah, with the plant, which I think moves great, the the puppetry scenes in this are fantastic. Um, so walk me through the next 
technical part of that because if they're under like this is on film obviously mm-hmm. it's 86 they didn't shoot it on handy cam mm-hmm. they're they're under cranking it so yeah. that they can spread it out later and it would be you know yeah 12 frames per second so one i'm, I'm not going to do the rest of that math um but it's does that speed. mean in a scene where that's him and Rick Moranis, it's like mm-hmm. locked off and put in or splits? Or... So there's some of it where they are putting in an element of Rick Moranis later, but oftentimes they just didn't have them in the same frame. Okay. He also learned it slow mo. He had to yeah. learn to 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 like mouth the words like slow mo. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah, and they had a slowed down version of um, the Four Tops guy's voice for like some of the songs that they would repitch so it sounds listenable to and they would be reacting to the music played at half speed something that did not occur to me in last until last week gavin a show that you and i both love very much has an incredibly strong little shop of horrors signature that i never picked up on before and that is of course hbo's harley quinn show <laughs> oh right where yeah, yeah. poison ivy has a plant friends a venus flytrap named frank yeah frank uh voiced by jb smooth and Mm -hmm. it is 100 percent audrey too (laughs) yeah i mean audrey too is iconic like i I, i'm sure it pops up all over the place but yes quick shout out to harley quinn that that show is deeply enjoyable i hope they keep making them did you guys recognize any of the greek chorus yes who'd you recognize what blew my mind uh it was one actress in particular Tachina Arnold, um, who's who's known to a lot of people as as the wife in Martin and the mom in Everybody Loves Chris. There you Is go. Is that the show you were thinking of? All right. I think no. Um, there's another one. There, well, not yeah, everyone there's... loves Chris, but um, uh, oh, I'm thinking of t- of Tisha Campbell. She was also in Martin, and was oh. in My Wife and Kids. That's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> Tachina Arnold was uh, one of the leads on Last Black Man in San Francisco, a movie that I did the sound for. So to see this this person that I only know from actually working with them suddenly Seymour, <laughs> thirty years younger and singing in the background of a production was was a double take moment for me. No, it's they and they're so amazing. Yeah, that was um, I was watching it with uh, Melanie who. Uh, was seeing this for the first time, and that was like the big thing. She was just like, "That's that's what's her face from? I've worked with her. She's great, right?" <laughs> that's the last mom and the last black mom in San Francisco. <laughs> black aunt. Yeah, <laughs> I'll edit this. That Greek chorus running through it is so great, and I love them as a through line, and like the changing outfits, mm-hmm. like them in like the super sequin, like sparkly stuff, like coming in and out of the shadows is so much fun. Yeah, they're 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 definitely one of my favorite parts of the show slash movie. I don't love the unfortunate consequence that means you just have yes. some black characters who are just relegated to the backgrounds and to to sing in support of mm-hmm. of white people's plant problems. <laughs> well, and also that the plant is also vo- voiced by a black man, adding to the like dehumanization of it too is also not a good thing and then there's a a note about there's a line about the plant being his willing slave which i'm like "Mm, Mm -hmm. that was that was maybe we shouldn't be doing that (laughs) picture getting those lyrics and being like "Mm." in 1986 if they had identified this as a problem i'm sure that their quick solution would have been oh we just won't put any black people in this movie yeah so 
Yeah. So it's not it's not a nitpick, but it's certainly a thing that that could be done better today. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, I, I will get into it too later, but um, I don't know if you guys heard yeah, the news. I've heard. <laughs> what? This is getting remade. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, we'll get into that later. I hadn't yeah. actually hadn't actually heard that. Uh, Surprising. We, I feel like we're close to being able to uh, talk about how we really feel about this movie. Mm-hmm. But first, be a surprise I, I for everybody. Want to get? Yeah, hated this movie. Just garbage. <laughs> I wanted hey, to <laughs> go around really quickly and ask everyone what your favorite song from this movie is. Mm-hmm. So, what's your favorite song from this movie? Who are we starting with? Me? <laughs> sure, go for Whoever's it. Whoever's ready. Um, uh, it's hard. I I like a bunch of them. The one that I usually uh, like to listen to and like turn on is Skid Row. Mm-hmm. But I also I also love um somewhere that's green and and Mean Green Mother from Outer Space is also great. I just really love the small um yeah. the small ones like yeah. <laughs> Oh, when they they pop up is so much fun. Yeah. Also, that's a moment that's a moment that leads into uh, Audrey two taking the gun. Oh, like, <laughs> there's a moment I just want to describe for a moment, which is Seymour pulls a gun on the plant in like which ridiculous way to take down a plant. But yeah, you electrocute plants. <laughs> Duh. You use I a like taser. The, the plant pants him and yeah. then takes the gun from him, spins it around, and starts shooting at him. And I love that it's like a revolver that fires like 20 bullets over the course of the scene. That's a great shit. Yeah, it's it's so much fun. That was like a thing from the alternate and the original ending. He actually does shoot the plant. And that, that was the thing I noticed that they cut too. So they cut the gun actually shooting anybody. Oh, that's leading to my favorite uh, song. Might be the title track. Just Little Shop of Horrors. Really sets the tone. It's a bop, shabop. To me, too, that that jump from the opening Little Shop of Horrors theme into Skid Row Mm -hmm. is, like, almost both of those are the biggest scenes in the movie, like, Mm musical-wise. Skid Row ends with that giant, like, overhead shot of all of Skid Row, just, like, the most extras they have in the movie. That duet between Seymour and Audrey at, like, the corner, um, you know, singing together but not being in the same world in a certain sense is very it's the it's the i wish song that is in all of musicals which i don't know how i never get tired of it it's always very enjoyable to me um i always think of beauty and the beasts um this small provincial life or whatever is kind of the one for me but then there's the lion kings like i just can't wait to be king there's all those songs are bangers i don't know (laughs) they're all great but yeah i think the title track for me or maybe the dentist song but probably the title track I'm definitely gonna pick the dentist song. Mm-hmm. Although the other two you mentioned are, I, I love the ensemble and. All right, I want to shout out that that opening track because it's so good at just totally putting you mm-hmm. in the movie. Just like you are watching a musical, and we've made it more interesting than being on stage. Hopefully, yeah. And it's just so hard in any movie to set the tone in the opening. Um. And you also got to remember for all these more classic movies, we're not watching trailers before you see them. If you're exposed to it for the first time now, or even even if you watch this movie in the 80s or the 90s, like 
the culture around trailers is a lot different. And I wonder if if I show my kid Iron Man 20 years from now, just as an example, like how that works without six months of hype for an Iron Man trailer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The dentist. Um, <laughs> what a fucking introduction. A character yeah. who's been hinted at, but mm-hmm. you don't know it's Steve Martin and Bad Green Screen doing an Elvis impression. Right. You don't know he's going to walk through and punch a nurse. And here's the thing. I say you don't know. You don't even know if you have this song memorized because there's so many specific sight gags. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know he had a closet with a picture of his mama that he was going to pray to. And <laughs> that song goes, oh, mama. Yeah. Like, None of this I was prepared for. It was like finally seeing Hamilton after devouring that soundtrack and being mm-hmm. like, oh, that's what that sight gag is. Oh, that's who's talking at any given time. It's one of my favorite fro- shots from inside of someone's mouth, too, is uh, so the, good. the chorus singing in the background as Steve Martin leans into like a mouth that is clearly gigantic. Because they are on a wide lens to show all of that. And yes. like the tool is huge. It's great. Oh, man. I would love what a scene. behind the scenes of that. So it's not just my favorite song. It is undeniably the best music video lifted from, from this movie. Everything else uh, is definitely like within the context of the movie. Uh, yeah. I could just show someone this dentist song. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. You don't need uh. to know a single other freaking thing about this movie <laughs> to understand and enjoy. Here's Steve Martin as a sadist dentist. You don't even know he beats his girlfriend if you just watch that show, so that makes that makes you like it more. <laughs> it's such a simple joke, but like the fact that he's a sadist means Yeah, mom mom tells him you've got to channel this into something that's gonna make you money and joy. You'll be a dentist. I love the the just that simple joke, the idea of your mom discovering that you're a fucking psychopath who is murdering small animals. And it's like, oh, great. You're going you're gonna to do great in life, son. It's kind of like Dexter. <laughs> let's get you, let's yeah. get you a DDS. <laughs> yeah. you know, if, uh. if you know your child is going to murder things, you should at least teach him how to use it for some sort of good. <laughs> yeah, let's have you be a monster for good. Yeah. Got a channel. <laughs> so, you, uh... <laughs> so, All right. Gavin. Should we do it? Yeah. Uh, I forget. Do we have some sort of rating system for all this I, nostalgia? I believe we do. I think there's a, a three-piece system. Uh, either something is still good, uh, better as a memory, or you know we uh, shoot it up and have it totally eclipse the sun and hope for uh, plants to take over and burn burn down the system <laughs> it once was part of. I mean, I was just going to take it back. I was going to dose it up with laughing gas and chop it up in an alley. Hey, you know, both both equally good ways to deal with a bad movie. <laughs> both valid. <laughs> anyway, this movie's great. I love it. Uh, it's it's so good. I, I had not seen it in forever. It's not something that crops into my mind a lot. But so I get like the shocking thing of like, it doesn't always live as the strongest memory. But, like, it's one of those things that comes flooding back as it's happening. And it's just, it's more enjoyable than my memory of it. Like, everything is even better than I remembered. <laughs> and it's, I don't want to, like, set the bar too high because it's, it's a movie. It's, you know, it's, it's really a good time. But, like, it's, it's just, 
it's I don't aside from changing out the theatrical ending for some version of the original ending, this movie is just incredible. And I don't know the director director's cut quite does that. I would this is one of like a few movies I'd love to see a different cut of still, but yeah. like that doesn't stop it from being amazing. This is such a fun movie. That's all. This movie is a dumb good time. And I I watching this was a pretty singular experience because I got to see a movie for the first time and sing along with every word to it. <laughs> that doesn't happen often in your life. So as we rate these movies still good, better at a memory, and we try to figure out what that means for movies we haven't seen, this is probably the only movie that I haven't seen that I could realistically say still good. <laughs> in fact, it exceeded my expectations, especially after Boulard Rouge, I'm thinking, yeah, maybe I just don't like musicals. <laughs> <laughs> It, it has the right amount of camp to it, which I think mm -hmm. really, really plays well. And so this, I mean, it's it's definitely still good for me. I've it, it's something that I watch often. Like if I need to just like have a little bit of a pick me up, I'll put on a little shop of horrors. And I dressed up as Audrey and made myself a little Audrey too, and made Gabe dress up like Seymour, <laughs> um, one year. <laughs> so I will send those pictures. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. I heard y'all groan at the idea that Little Shop is getting a reboot. What is that specifically? Do you know? From what I've seen, the well, the headline says Chris Evans and um, Scarlett Johansson in Little Shop of Horrors, which when you think of that at first, you're like, what the f who who the fuck made these decisions? <laughs> the russo brothers <laughs> so what makes it a little bit better is that that chris evans is going to be the dentist mm -hmm. which i can actually oh. see that working really well that is yeah. fantasy casting for me to be honest but scarlett johansson why does she have to be in everything i don't want to <laughs> see her in this she's not going to be a good audrey what I, I think she might be able to pull it off to me it's just like how are you going to differentiate this from the 80s movie I would have liked in a it way to that's be, worth doing. I would have liked it to be Margot Robbie. That would be good, would be but like, too. have you seen Don John? No. Any of y'all? All right, yeah. so, yeah. I forget where she's The fake Brooklyn accent is yeah, pretty good. I think she's wonderful <laughs> of that. I, I've, like, seen her portray, like, just parts of a bear. I think Scarlett Johansson can do it. I think there's probably more interesting casting, but yeah. I don't have a problem with that. But now is our chance as as the studio tasked with making more Little Shop and uh, profiting <laughs> off of this existing IP. I want to ask what our pitches are for a Little Shop sequel, reboot, reimagining mm -hmm. uh, in, a, in a section we call do we do we don't have a name for this reboot here's the bumper <laughs> we're reviving a canceled undercover police program from the 80s oh it's not a remake it's a reboot you see the guys in charge of this stuff lack creativity what the fuck is a reboot so all they do now is recycle shit from the past we're working on less of a shriekle and, and more of a screaming expect us all not to notice i like it another i'm stumped at like even with the fact that they're doing it it just feels like a cash grab, which is not a like it's it's it just feels like a remake is what they're gonna do. I'm trying to think of a way that would be worth it. I was thinking of I was thinking of that this last night, and it's interesting that you bring up Harley Quinn 
because that mm-hmm. was what I immediately thought was I want to see a version of this in the DC universe where the dentist <laughs> is the Joker, uh-huh. Audrey is Harley Quinn, and then Seymour is um, Poison Ivy. I'm pretty certain this is in the Marvel multiverse now, based <laughs> on the recent casting. <laughs> so that's that's what I really want to see. Just like like if the Harley Quinn show just does an episode where it is just Little Shop of Horrors. Mm-hmm. I want to see that. Warner Brothers might still have the rights, to be honest. They do. They do. There's a from, reason it's on HBO Max. From, yeah. yeah, they have it on HBO Max. And then when I was working at Warner Brothers for their haunt event, which hopefully will happen this year. Um, they, they had, they like made up one of the shops as like little shop of horrors and had like oh, Audrey cool. like in the window and then like sold some merch and stuff. So that's, that's rad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would be fun as like an episode of that show for sure. Yeah. I, that, that I wouldn't be mad about. I'm just trying to, cause would you change it at all? Like aside from again, the original ending, it's like, what is there to... It feels like the right time period for it. So here's one thing uh, where this movie might work better today Mm -hmm. is this is a movie about something going viral. Mm -hmm. Like the (laughs) plant becomes the talk of the town and everything comes in. So there is an opportunity. It's a shame we don't have Vine anymore because 100% this should be involved in Vines. This is so upsetting to me. Why is I'm just saying, like, if you are going to make this movie, if you're going to set it today yeah Mm -hmm. um now if you're gonna set it in the 60s just like do the same thing and have chris evans do lucas lee as the dentist yeah yeah the scott pilgrim performance is already great yeah yeah or you know knives out like i know chris evans could be a fun bastard Mm -hmm. i've Mm -hmm. seen it in like outside of the 10 years where he just did captain america like he can also just be a bastard and it's fun to watch Mm -hmm. yeah i mean there there is a point where it's like i don't think that you could do this movie just over again and it would still probably be great and it would introduce itself to a whole new audience, which would be fun. And there's nothing inherently wrong with it. It's just you kind of wish that you could just re-release the original and have people actually watch it. But that's not the way media works yeah. either. So yeah, I, I think that what you're saying is a valid, if if slightly upsetting to me, <laughs> way is like, yeah, the of course the plant would like get Instagram TikTok famous. Yeah, yeah. It the just plan seems, would become an Instagram influencer. It just hurts. Like, it physically hurts me <laughs> to, to, to hear that. That's all. Um, I think if this is something that was already a movie and then a play and then a movie mm-hmm. and then I'm sure later yeah. versions of the musical used. Because the, the version of the musical that I saw has a lot of stuff from the movie, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Having another version of it doesn't insult me as much as some of the other stuff we forced reboots to, just because this is something sure. that just keeps getting made. Well, in the movie, so again, the movie musical was adapted from a little scene movie that didn't do amazing. Like it was a, they spent the the budget for the musical movie was I think like maybe okay. thirty million. This this was, the 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 this musical version of it that's filmed. Yeah, yeah. It, they said it was b- a bigger budget than Alien at the time. It was Warner yeah. Brothers. It was Warner Brothers' biggest budget at that time. And it was also so much that went into the cut original ending, which is very, very funny. Yeah, five million. Went so yeah, that. it was a thirty million dollar movie. The original film that it's based on was a thirty thousand dollar movie. <laughs> made right. in the made in the sixties, I think. So that like that. That's like a billion dollars. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to better just say like 
the the adaptation for the musical was a very different take. It's not like yeah. that that it's such a very different movie. Um, it's just taking and running with that original plot line. And I don't know where else you can go with it to make it. That's that's the thing. Right. It's like, do you lean further into like how much farther into camp can you go? Making the dark, serious version of it. Like, who wants to see that? Yeah, I, I do. don't know. Okay, so here's my actual pitch. <laughs> and I know I usually pitch like the dark and grittier version. I want the same tone, but I don't want a, a reboot as much as I want a sequel with the alternate ending, which takes mm. place where the plants have taken over society. But here's the thing: they haven't killed everyone. They mm-hmm. need to keep humans as their food source. It's mm-hmm. like very much mm-hmm. a vampire story, right? The Matrix, Terminator. <laughs> Blade. <laughs> Very much Terminator, yeah. Uh, so you've got Audrey 2, and Rick Moranis is basically going to be enslaved <laughs> at this point. And you get, like, old man Rick Moranis just crushed with his regrets for destroying humanity. And you get to see the human resistance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you got Tachita Arnold back. <laughs> <laughs> you've got, like, Greek chorus. And they're just... They're not taking it that seriously. Uh, that that I I would I don't know who that would be for. I guess us. Yeah. Uh, I I would definitely watch that. My uh, also the the big thing in that movie is at a certain point what's revealed is Audrey three. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Audrey three, uh, and it's called Little World of Horrors. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There, and Phil Lord and Chris Miller do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You you sold me. That would be that would be fun. Uh, I'm in. And it costs three million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that would be one tenth of the original budget yeah. of the. <laughs> Less than the ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we've okay. got a, a gritty sequel that doesn't take itself too seriously, and we've got a modern Instagram update of it. Those are our pitches. Do we have something else? Well, and then the Har- the Harley yeah, Quinn the DC uh, version. tribute yeah. episode. and an episode of an existing TV show <laughs> yes. was your was your. I think pitch. we're good. I think I think right. that fulfills no the games, obligations. No... All right, that's good. <laughs> Although I'd play right. a video game of it. <laughs> How would that work? The being being the plant <laughs> and then taking over yeah. and having the, the the object is to take over the world. It would make a good board game, actually. Yeah. RPG. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that'd be fun. <laughs> We're oh, like, I gotta yeah, talk like to Dan. It's a co-op board game where one of you has it's like uh, an equal. One of you plays the plant. One of you plays. Um, I don't know. I'm getting Maybe ideas for my podcast. Seymour's an NPC. <laughs> that is great. I have to tell. You have, to, you have to stop Seymour. You come back from the future. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Suddenly Seymour appears. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That. All right. So if you liked Little Shop of Horrors, what are or Frank Oz? What are some other things you want to leave the audience with? Yeah, I mean, check out, check out Death at a Funeral. That's a really good time. Um, and go back and watch the original Muppet TV show. Just, like, pick a random episode. See if you can find a guest star that you have heard of. Um, a lot of them are pretty dated <laughs> references. Never, that's It's more of a variety show, right? I've seen some yeah. of the movies. I've certainly seen the newer ones. I've no, never the, seen the original Muppet show. The movies are very different. They're very... I, I, I love the modern movies. I don't know the original movies that well. Like, Muppet... Christmas and Muppet Treasure Island, which I know um, Frank Oz served as a producer on both of those, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, those are very enjoyable, but the TV show is something very different. It is a variety show that has like a kind of behind the scenes element. So it's watching 
these Muppets barely hold together a variety show, and then they bring on high-profile guests. It's mostly music stuff, and the band is incredible. Like, the players they have on it are so talented that, like, not only are the songs just played great and sound amazing, they take on this whole other tone. So, like, there'll be, like, it's it's a very clever kind of comedy, I would argue. Not clever. Clever is not really the right word. It's not Weird Al, who I love. It's something different. The jokes are more based in the music rather than being swapping out lyrics. Hmm. So one of my favorite, there's the, there's a song, the um, Dr. Teeth and Electric Mayhem, which is like the house band. They do a cover of the song Tenderly. And which is a great like classic love song about loving someone tenderly. Uh, and they do it as like they, their joke is, you know, we like to think we should be known for playing something more than hard rock. So this next one is called and will play tenderly. And they do like the most staccato, like heavy version of tenderly. It's, it's just very <laughs> enjoyable. Um, so, yeah, check out tenderly by Dr. Teeth and Electric Mayhem and uh, go watch a random episode of the Muppets TV show. Oh, and uh, and death at a funeral. <laughs> I'm gonna stand for Harley Quinn. Uh, I think that show is just better than you expect it to be. Uh, just to really hype it up and probably leave you disappointed. It's just a ton of fun, and it needs more Frank. To be honest, if I may be <clears throat> Frank. Frank. <laughs> I'm also gonna shout out planes, trains, and automobiles. If you want to see all of the cameos in this movie in their own movie. <laughs> For me, I was thinking along the lines of, like, the tone of the movie and, like, campy musical stuff, and especially mm-hmm. sort of, like, um, cult campy. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rocky Horror, I think, has the same sort of, like, vibe as... I mean, this is this is a more PG version <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, than Rocky Horror. Although I believe Audrey 2 gets a shock treatment at the end. Yeah, 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 you know. That's a joke for six people. And then the <laughs> other thing I was thinking of, which I've only really seen once, so I don't really have too much connection to it, but Crybaby. Mm-hmm. Also that same sort of culty, musically feel. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us. This has been an absolute blast. Where can we find you on the internet, Krista? You can find me at Krista Llewellyn MUA on Instagram. Uh, I also have a YouTube where I do makeup stuff. Uh, you can just type that same thing in or go to my links on my Instagram to find that. Uh, I also do an RPG podcast called Dice Try that you can hear where all pods are cast. And yeah. Do you have any plans to do a Little Shop of Horrors based? Well, RPG? now I'm definitely going to be asking my my GM about that. I think he can make something. Like it. We're currently doing one uh, called Tune, where we're ba- we're basically like Warner Brothers cartoons, trying okay. to to navigate so through the world. Universe. Yeah, I thought you were going to head into a musical thing with that, where you all had to carry a tune. N- I mean, Earl could do it. <laughs> Earl could definitely do it. I don't know if I could keep up with him, but... <laughs> How many Animaniacs are in this story? <laughs> there's just three of us in it. So. so three. Yeah, there's three. But we're very different from the Animaniacs. Yeah, small shout out to go catch Earl on... Uh, what is it? My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah. Just dig way back into the archives, archives for that. <laughs> that one episode. No. Gavin, are you doing anything with your life yet? No. It's, it's, it's uh, you know... No, but you can follow that void on at Gavin V. Murray on uh, Instagram. 
<laughs> at the void. Uh, I'm at Hold for Plane. We're at Still Good Pod. I have been working on a PBS show called Tell Me More, uh, which will be coming out, and it's interviews with interesting people. I think it's going to be pretty good. I also think I'm allowed to talk about it. If not, it'll be out <laughs> like in a couple months. Uh, but we were hanging out with uh, Kumal Bell and Dolores Huerta, who have very interesting things to say. Nice. Right on. Actually, uh, go check out The Invite. Uh, we just worked on a vampire comedy. Uh, find out how... Uh, what kind of rules bind a vampire when they have to poop. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much. Oh, one last thing, Krista. <laughs> yes. Are you any good at keeping plants alive? Not really. I'm currently struggling with that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be better, but I keep buying plants that need more sunlight that I don't have. Have, have you tried blood? I have not. I do. I do. I will. This is a thing that I will admit. I do sing grow for me to most of my plants when I'm trying because they it it does. They do say that if you like talk to your plants, it like helps them grow because of the, you know, all that science. And so I sing grow for me <laughs> to all, all right. my plants. And I've gotten two Venus flytraps named Audrey too. They both died. I hear water and sunlight works pretty good, but uh, I also have killed a lot of plants. So I needed to make certain we had at least one gardening tip before I closed out the episode, which I'm doing now. All right. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Feed me. Feed me. Feed me, Feed me all night long. That's right, boy. You can do it. See more. Feed me all night long. <laughs> Cause if you feed me, see more, I can grow up big and strong. Would you like a Cadillac car on a gas shot on jackpot? How about a date with Hedy Lamar? You're gonna get it if you want it, baby. How would you like to be a big wheel? Dining out for every meal. I'm the plan to make it all real. You're gonna get it. Hey, I'm your genie. I'm your friend. I'm your willing slave. Take a chance. Give me a You know what kind of eats the kind of red hot drinks. The kind of sticky licky sweets I crave. Puts. Trust me in your life will surely rock a key touch. Sure, little Michigan boy, work up some guts and you get it. I don't Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make it on the gas on the corner turn green. So go get it. Woo, woo, woo.